Hey everybody, welcome to the Kellen and Alex show, this edition of the podcast. This one was recorded in October 2019. In this edition of the podcast, we talk about Hong Kong and the Hong Kong protest, the Chinese repression of Hong Kong, freedom of thought, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, uh, the NSA and its history in the United States with free speech and privacy issues, big corporations. We get into all of it. So sit back and enjoy this edition of the Kellen and Alex show. All right. WFRSCC 88.3. I'm Kellen Lake and I'm with Alex Denley. And we are going to have a killer podcast tonight. We have a lot of topics that we're going to talk about that are very important. And we are going to start with, take it away, Alex. What are we starting with? So some new news that's coming out of the Hong Kong protest. Okay, very Um, big, very big. So this has been ongoing for quite a while now. Uh, In Hong Kong, they're protesting over an extradition bill. We're going to get into that. But the recent addition to this news that's come out is multiple U.S. companies, including Apple, Google, uh, Blizzard, which is a big video game company. They're based out of Southern California. And the NBA have all basically started censoring or supporting China against Hong Kong. And um, it's, it's caused a lot of scandal because Westerners are definitely supporting Hong Kong in the protest because they don't like seeing the Chinese government uh, enforcing all these things in Hong Kong, right? Because Hong Kong is supposed to have some amount of independence. and uh, But all the companies, because they want to expand into the Chinese market because the Chinese market is just wide open. Like the NBA, Blizzard, all these video game companies, all this entertainment and stuff. And so they're playing nice with the with the communists. So let's preface this first. In Hong Kong, there's the Chinese people are protesting because they want democracy, right? Because yeah. in China, if you don't know, you probably do know, but it's very a very communist government. Um, and people are, as in any communist society, people are very limited to what they can um, speak and other things like that, show their opinions. So... What was the bill that was proposed or passed? And yeah, we'll start with that. What was the that what was the bill that was passed that angered these Chinese people so much? So the actual bill was about um it was called the Fugitive Offenders Amendment Bill. So this came back in back in uh the end of March on uh 31st of March this year. And it's been ongoing on to the present day. So we're up at 193 days that this protest has been going on. That's right. It's been going on and the for whole, the a whole while. city of Hong Kong has been, um, yeah, it, in, on June 9th, there was over a million people in the streets of Hong Kong protesting about this. So this is a major protest. Um, so it's also called the Anti-Extradition Law Amendment Bill uh, movement. And uh, this is a series of demonstrations in Hong Kong. Uh, which began with the aim to oppose the introduction of the Fugitive Offenders Amendment Bill proposed by the Hong Kong government. If enacted, the bill would allow local authorities to detain and extradite criminal fugitives who are wanted in territories with which Hong Kong does not currently have extradition agreements, including Taiwan and mainland China. People were concerned the bill would subject Hong Kong residents and visitors to the mainland Chinese jurisdiction, undermining the autonomy of the region and its civil liberties. Okay, so this law basically makes it to where if the Chinese government wants to try you in their own courts, you can just be extracted from Hong Kong without any protest of the government. Oh, geez. Right? Because Hong Kong is supposed to have this sovereignty um, uh, of their own rule there. It's part of the law that's been there for forever. 
But what would happen is with this law, mainland China is trying to basically, I mean, I mean, imagine, imagine if Canada could like extradite an American citizen to try them in Canadian court. Yeah. That would completely under, that. that would undermine all of the, <laughs> the United States that. government. Yeah. Right. So they tried to sneak in this law where in Hong Kong, let's say, you know, let's say you're, you're speaking out very vocally against the Beijing government, right? Uh, against the communists. You could just be extradited legally from Hong Kong to mainland China and put in a political prison and no one would know. And it would be completely legal. It's all secrecy. Yeah, it could be secret, could be whatever. Well, it could even be public because at that point it's law. Right. And that completely undermines any bit of Hong Kong's uh, autonomy with this. Um, and so because of that, uh, there's been a lot of protest. Um, the protest. The protesters laid out five demands. So they have five demands that they want to um, have from this, which include investigation into the alleged police misconduct. Um, so after the protest started, it was a peaceful protest. They were in the streets. It ended up being a million people in the streets. It's just insane. In Hong Kong, just in Hong Kong, just in the streets. My goodness. Yeah. Well, the, the Chinese, you know, police and stuff, they started cracking down hard, right? You guys can look up video online and stuff. Like, they've shot people. Um, just recently, they sh- I remember there was a video that went viral with it. Uh, it was an 18-year-old student. He was, uh, he was wearing a mask. And he wasn't even being violent or anything. Uh, and a police officer pulled out a revolver and shot him. Oh, my goodness. He's in critical condition. He was in critical condition a few days ago. I don't know what ended up happening to him. But, like, they shoot tear gas. It's gone. It's just, it's, a, it's craziness. Right. Because they're protesting against. I mean, it would completely undermine their government, it would completely undermine their politics, and they don't want to be communists. They don't want to be part of the the Chinese mainland craziness that, you know, is is China today. Um, so that's one of the main demands is all the misconduct to this protest because the police have just been treating them terribly and resumption of democratic reforms, which are promised in the basic law. Um so actually having like democracy come back into Hong Kong so that they can choose like to reject this bill and choose to do these things. I mean, it's just a mess. Well, how long has communism been going on in China? That would be since the revolution of the, is this in the 40s? Way back. I, yeah, way up. back when. So Yeah, yeah. No, it's know, been going on for It's forever. been going on for what, 70 years, 80 right. years now. Think about, and as in any case, think about how big of a shock this is to the local authorities, the police and everybody, they're seeing a million people in the streets that are protesting. I mean, you got a million against how many, you know, policemen. It's like, this is something really big that China's been doing. The people, um, and it's unheard of, at least for China. I mean, look, China's communist. It's an evil regime that's been going on for forever. And now they're starting to have these people come out and people are like, oh, shoot. Like this is going, this is for real. Like this is happening. It's happening. Yeah. I mean, they want democracy. They're sick and tired of the communist regime. That's right. And it, it's, it's a, uh, yeah. I mean, to imagine a million people in the streets, I mean, for, for China, it's, it's a huge affront to their authority. Right. Because, you know, and then they're, you know, now the public is aware of all this stuff. I mean, you can't have a million people in the streets and like nobody know about it. 
So they're trying to play their game so they don't... Um, well, first of all, if you try and search like the Hong Kong protest online in China, you will get nothing. Because mainland China, they censor everything. They have firewalls. Anything you, any information you're going to get is going to be censored somehow. Now, there may be ways to get around it. I don't know. Um, 1984. Yeah, it's literally all the information. <laughs> Yeah, and you're not going to hear from the government-sponsored news agencies in China nope. anything about, like, you probably won't even know that Hong Kong has protests. And we know this because um, of the Tiananmen Square protest, um, the massacre, Tiananmen Square massacre, um, you can't find any of that information. In fact, we have a lot of, um, we have accounts of, like, Chinese people that go out on vacation and stuff, they get on the internet and they're like, some of them have never heard of the Tiananmen Square massacre before in their lives. And these have like they've always grown up. Yep. Um, right. In China, it's just this censoring of information. So within China itself, I mean, it's like almost can't can't even get anything about it. Um, I first heard about this from my dad actually when I was home over the summer. He's like, "Kellen, you know, you know what's been going on in China lately?" And I haven't really been following much on like global news, but he said, "There's people protesting because they want democracy." I looked at myself and I was like, wait a minute. Are you for real? Is this happening? Yeah, it's happening. And I was like, wow, that's that's crazy, man. Like they're starting to finally stand up for something. I mean, but now it's getting now they might start thinking as if it already has gotten out of hand. I mean, yeah. If you're shooting people, it's gotten out of hand. You know it's gotten out of hand when it leads to violence. You you don't wanna you don't want police shooting college kids or whatever that are eighteen or twenty years old. You, know, you don't you don't want any of that anywhere, and it's getting real. So it is. Well, they're cracking down. I mean, yeah. they try. I mean, this is a and they just came up on the seventieth anniversary of the People's Republic of China. That actually happened over. Was People's it a month ago Republic or of China. Yeah, yeah. And, you love in the quotations language. with both yeah, my hands. Exactly. Big big air quotations. Jeez. Right? Um, they just came up on the the seventieth anniversary of this the communist uh, China. Huge demonstrations. I mean, it's a it's a big thorn in their side at this point to have this very publicly being done. Um, now, the the twist to all of this and the more recent news that's coming out is a lot of companies that have a lot of high hopes for China, mainland China, because there's so much money to be made there because they have a burgeoning um, middle class that's willing to spend money on stuff. Right, so Nike's trying to get in there, Google's trying to get in there, Apple's trying to get in there, Pepsi's trying to get in there, all these American the NBA's trying to get in there, all these video game companies, including Blizzard, is trying to get the, get in there. Just recently, and um, this was this was a day ago, headline: U.S. game maker Activision and Blizzard ban pro Hong Kong player uh, from a, a, a tournament. So. They were having a, I think it was a Hearthstone tournament, which is a super popular game on on uh, Blizzard's, the company that produces this okay. game, right? There was a tournament in which they were going to be, you know, competing on Hearthstone, and they banned one of the players and made him forfeit ten grand in prize money and banned him from the game for a year after he voiced support for pro democracy protest in Hong Kong. Ooh. <laughs> so this is this Truth is, been, is starting to come out. Blizzard's a U.S. company. I mean, they're based in, I think, in Santa Barbara or something. Yeah. Right? They had a tournament, and one of the players, um, you know, supported the protest, and he was forced to give back his prize money and was banned from playing Hearthstone. I mean, it has been 
and the internet is, has exploded over that. Exploded. I mean, for sure. I was looking on on Reddit today that one guy uh, put a picture of all of his games by Blizzard. And it was in a campfire, and he says, "Former Marine, I stand with freedom." Ooh. And like people are just, they are mad. Man. I mean, think about it. They, and and you know what's even worse? Blizzard issued an apology to the Chinese government. Oh my! I'm not, not making this up. They issued a, an apology to the Chinese government and said that that won't happen again. Why? Because China's this huge market now, and because Chinese the Chinese economics is like blended completely with their politics. So you start supporting Hong Kong, they're just going to say to you, "Oh, sorry, you can't sell your games here anymore." Right? It's one of those things. It's like and and I believe Apple, yeah, Apple censored, they took off the Taiwan flag as one of the emojis that you they could use. And uh in mainland China and Hong Kong and in Taiwan, they completely banned that. <laughs> like all this stupid stuff. Why? Because they're it's it's a um, method of control. Well, yeah, I mean, it has big dollars attached to it. Yeah. If you start if you start making fun of days. China and you start supporting Hong Kong, just be prepared to lose like a hundred million dollars or more from Chinese money that you would have had. Yeah, right. This is like one of the, you know, we talked a lot about globalism uh, last time and, and Trump's speech to the United Nations, where you know he has this pro nationalism movement. Um, and that Trump's kind of this figurehead of a, a revive, uh, revived nationalism over globalism. We're seeing the effects of globalism here, right? Right. They have to kiss up to the Chinese government and not support freedom and democracy, which, you know, any Western company should. Um, and they have to kiss up to the Chinese government because they're afraid to lose money. They're afraid of the bottom line and they're not willing to just stand up and say, I support Hong Kong. Like, it's pretty simple. It was an extradition bill. Like, it's completely undermining Hong Kong's um, independence and stuff. It's not like a very confused issue. Like, it's pretty cut and dry. If you're a Westerner and you, you know, value freedom and you value all the things we as democratic people value, you would support Hong Kong's efforts in this, right? It's going against their law. It's going against all this stuff. And to think that you would censor and kick a guy out of a, you know, one of your video game tournaments because he specifically voiced uh voice support <laughs> for Hong Kong right so i mean people are mad is i i think it's going to hurt blizzard's bottom line more that the american markets and the european markets are going to be like look i i'll quit overwatch like i'm going to throw away my my edition of overwatch <laughs> and hearthstone it's going in the uh in the fire you know because we're done buying your games cuz you know we don't want to support a company like that yeah Boy, that's <laughs> that's some touchy stuff. Yeah, it does seem it does seem that any like we said, like Blizzard, that company, if they're gonna you know do if you're gonna involve yourself in stuff like that in China, just be just be prepared to have some real real consequences because this isn't a joke. Like when we're talking about protests and China, a country that's known for being communist, like stuff like that. You're going to get some heavy, heavy backlash if you involve yourself in things, especially when it comes to China. I mean, <clears throat> economically, think about how many goods we make in China then ship it over to the U.S. Think about if some of our companies started getting involved in that, which they probably wouldn't, obviously, because they don't want to jeopardize any of that like economic relationship with China. Think about how bad that could be. I mean, economics terms wise, that would be disastrous, but... 
it kind of comes back to this globalist view of just kissing up to people. I don't know. It's like principles versus bottom line. Yeah. Right. Is it the cash that you're going for? Is it going for principles or whatever? Um, And more and more companies, I I believe Google like sold their, oh yeah, that's right. Google and China are partnering up to, to enforce like more security on the internet for censoring their people. And Google is helping them with that. I'll look up the article, but corruption, Google's, Google's all in, right? They're, they're, they're willing to just let China have the day, Sell right? Their because souls. I mean, they're beholden to the stockholders and the CEO. You don't hire a CEO to you know just make you feel good and moral and stuff, which is the difficulty of corporations and CEOs beholden to stockholders. They're gonna say, "Look, we can make a, a killing. We can make billions of dollars off off of teaming up with the Chinese government." And it's going to look bad, so we need to like cover it up as best we can. But that's going to be better for us in the long run than being principled and not working with China now. Because what's the what's the reply? Oh well, if we don't do it, another company will, and then we're going to end up going out of business, right? So you see how money and this you know you can make deals with the devil, right? And that's the you know that's one of the main problems with this globalist idea is. It's the money that speaks, and even if it's a deal with the devil, it's a it's a better deal than being principled and broke. And so Google, Apple, right, uh, Blizzard, as we're seeing here, they'll even you know, they'll they'll even censor people and ban players uh, from doing that. Now you know they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. You make the Chinese government mad, you're going to lose Chinese money. If you if you kiss up to them, you're going to make Westerners mad, yep. and you're going to lose some of that U.S. And, and European money. But like, how principled are the U.S. And, and European people that they'd be like, I support Hong Kong enough not to block, not to buy or play Overwatch. Like, it's a, it's a great game. It's a huge game, or Hearthstone, or you know, some Activision game or something like that. Like, yes. are you are, is is an individual American that principled? Yeah, yeah, I know. Well. That's why I was kind of wish money was never invented. We just go straight back to barter. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I don't yeah. know. Like <laughs> I remember here in St. Francis had a, uh, this was just about the time. I think Florence was, um, during St. Francis' time, Florence was making their Florence Florins, you know, their, their gold currency thing. And currency was just kind of really getting going in Europe. St. Francis was totally against it. He was like, currency is <laughs> going to be the end of us because it's smart guy is the depersonalization of transactions. Which I mean, yeah, I mean, today it's because before you'd have to like, you know, bring your sheep to the merchant and like exchange for grain or something like that. But now you can just give them money and it's completely depersonalized. Like the money has it's it's a you know, it's it's based on faith. Like the the money is the only reason the money works is because we say it has value. There's no intrinsic value to this piece of paper. We just say it has value. It just keeps depersonalizing transactions. And so you don't really see the effects of what your money is spent on or like who it's given to or whatever else. But yeah, currency. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole a whole part of it too. I mean, we're we're getting so depersonalized to the point that, you know, it's it's the money above everything in this globalist system. Yeah, that's what it is. That's crazy, man. It's just you want to add the world is blowing up. Let's add to that. The list of companies that are kissing up to China. Um, so a Houston Rockets um, manager 
I don't know. I don't remember the name of the manager of the Houston Rockets. Yeah, here we go. Here's the title on this NBC News. NBA fan event in China canceled amid fallout over Hong Kong tweet. Um, An NBA fan event scheduled in Shanghai on Wednesday was canceled. So this is yesterday by Chinese sporting officials in the latest sign of China's fury over the Houston Rockets general manager's tweet in support of Hong Kong's anti-government protesters. Um, and basically in his tweet, he just like tweeted a picture that says, support freedom, support Hong Kong, right? And he's tweeted this little picture. And right now the NBA is doing like tours in China, actually. And so this, this manager put this out. And um, Hong Kong, uh, sorry, not Hong Kong. China is like a huge market for the NBA now. Dude, tons Yao and tons Ming. of people. Remember Yao, yeah, Yao Ming for the, Ro- exactly. for the Rockets? for the Rockets, yeah. Jeez, yeah, he, yeah, was, so, he was like 7'6 or something. He was a good player. Yeah, and he was one of the main people to like, you know, Revolutionize it, yeah. Yeah, basketball yeah. in China got like huge. Because a lot of, of it was because of Yao yeah. Ming, yeah. And so basketball sport. I think even recently basketball is the most popular sport in china at this point i think i believe it is more and more people are watching uh nba they're following it like they're doing tours out there uh the commissioner adam silva uh you know he's he's trying to you know that's chinese money again there's that cash it's just sitting there it's just waiting for somebody there you know and um basically everybody's been uh, the, first of all the houston rockets manager had to take back the tweet so we deleted the tweet. That's even more embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, it's super embarrassing. And, and he issued like a three-part statement regarding like, you know, why it this was a bad idea I, to release I, a tweet. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, this is why I'm, uh, I'm retracting my statement for kissing up to them. I'm so sorry, media. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I'm not willing what do you to lose gonna my happen? job. <laughs> yeah, he got, a, he got phone calls from the owners. You oh know what I mean? Oh my goodness. And, um, and Beijing was, I mean, imagine that. Imagine, yeah, that the, the Chinese government would want you censored because you sent a tweet in support of Hong Kong and you're an NBA manager from the United States. Jeez. And you're willing to retract your statement to appease your owners who are trying to appease the Chinese government. Why do you even involve yourself in that? You live 10,000 miles away or whatever, 15,000 miles away from them. It's like, just leave them alone. I don't know. Don't involve yourself with that stuff. I, you know what? You know I'm really interested. I want to know what Trump has to say about all this stuff because I haven't really been following what he, what he has been, um, what he, what his thought on this. Obviously, he's probably very. I'm sure he's very concerned. Not not only economically, but for the people of China. I think for the for the citizens and how they're just being suppressed here. Um, well, they're having you know, they're having the trade. Um, standoff thing. Uh, Trump raised the tariffs on Chinese goods from twenty percent to twenty five percent on imports. Yeah, which was a huge move. Five <laughs> percent, millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, well, well, billions of dollars mm-hmm. rather. So, uh, yeah, and just recently, so this is today. Uh, yeah, they're they're going with these. Um, they're they're at trade talks, right? So, Trump's pushing nationalism. He's pushing for. Uh, more tariffs on Chinese trade with the United States, right? Because we have to protect American companies because they're, you know, they have people in sweatshops and whatever else, oh, right? Goodness. Super bad working conditions. They pay them ridiculously low so they can undercut all the prices, right? So he's adding tariffs to it. And um, 
Yeah, he's renegotiating the trade deals, which is a you know, a huge is a huge thing, right? I'm sure Apple and Google and these other companies are really looking at that because they manufacture all their stuff there. That's going to affect their bottom line. So you would see why these globalist companies like Google, Apple, um, I don't know, Facebook, whoever, they really want, um, they really want less and less tariffs, more and more globalization, less and less, uh, yeah, any any penalties on trade, more free trade, more all this other stuff, and even if it's to the detriment of one particular nation's economy, right? The U.S. And- economy in benefit to the Chinese economy, right? Which is why tr- uh, Trump's trying to actually like stop that because we have a trade deficit between china right we're buying more of their goods than there are of ours and um or importing all this stuff right so that's what trump's doing with it i don't know if he i don't know if he said much on the hong kong protest well you know how i mean you know how nationalistic trump is i mean he's going to do anything he can to make sure that you know the we're getting the best deal here i guess i don't know i mean he's probably not happy at apple or google or any of those guys i'm sure but He's the commander in chief. I mean, he he's the real the top guy up there that has the say in all this. So um I wouldn't be surprised if he really hits them hard. I don't know. Maybe he already has. I mean, I don't know. I you mean, know, another crazy part of this this whole Hong Kong story. They just installed all across Hong Kong these new face recognition basically like machine things. Like imagine them like a light pole. But at the top is this huge camera that identifies faces. So they installed these things all over Hong Kong. And then they just passed a bill which made it illegal to wear a mask in the streets. There's communism and then there's communism <laughs> elevated. There's, there's, you know, 84 Orwellian real, you know, so, real communism. So they have cameras everywhere. Is that right? Yeah, these, face, these facial everywhere. recognition cameras, right? So they... They have these databases with people's faces so they can like attach your face and then your name and where you live and all this type of stuff. And if they see you in the street in these protests and you don't have a mask on, you know, they could knock at your door. They know who you are. They know what you did. They can prosecute you. They can do whatever. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. This is insane. That's just what they're all about is. And no, that's so crazy. That's so crazy. I mean, you're going to that's number one. That's a violation of privacy. Number two, that's a violation of privacy. And number three, that's a violation of privacy, okay? I mean, that is so asinine. I've never even heard of anything like that before, where you're going to go to a store and you're going to have a camera that's hiding somewhere, and they're going to take a facial recognition of you. You don't even know that. Probably 99% of the citizens don't even know that. Maybe they do. I don't know. Yeah. But that's just insane. Everywhere. They call them facial recognition towers. It, it just imagine like a huge light pole, but on the top is this, um, yeah, you know, like face ID on like iPhone 10 or something like that, right? It looks at you. It's like, okay, this is who it is. And then they open it up. Imagine just cameras with that in the street. My goodness. It's so, <laughs> I mean, it's so common. What? I mean, that's, it's, it's unbelievable. That's um, scary. That, no, that's Hong that's Kong bad. protesters destroying. They're, they're trying to destroy these facial recognition towers and protest at a surveillance state. Um, there's this company, Megvi, multi-billion dollar facial recognition company that is linked up with the Chinese government. They're the ones who developed this technology to recognize faces in the streets. 
so that you can um how do you even do that <laughs> well how i mean do, it's, how do it's, you create a system that can identify an actual person like there's a million people there how can you identify somebody how, what goes into that the technology i want to know because they they must somehow have coded it in a way where they know they know every single person i don't know how any any of that technology works but they did something where they had a list of people all those names and they just put it in there and now i can recognize anybody yeah no I mean, it's crazy I have no idea how that works yeah yeah but. i mean it's cutting edge technology at this point right because apple released their face id stuff with the iphone 10 and um that was mass to the market but i'm sure this company's been working closely with the chinese government to implement this type of stuff i mean we could see those things implemented in every major city in China in the next 10 years or something like that, right? So anybody who's in the city who's not wearing a mask, you could literally see their face and know their name and where they're from and everything about them. It's like, this is the other part of this whole facial recognition thing that we don't realize is the huge concern over personal data and privacy. Oh, boy. So this is something that's you know Edward gone Snowden. off and on. Yeah, exactly, with the NSA. That was the huge reveal. What was in a while back ago? Right, wow, Derek, wow, Derek wow, ago. I remember reading that book. That was crazy. And um, we're giving all of this data all the time to these massive corporations, who, as we're seeing here, from the NBA to Blizzard to Google, are linked up with these communist party because they care about more about money than they do about principles. Okay, let's continue. Google knows a ridiculously immense amount of information about each individual person who uses their platform because they have all of your search history. They have, let's say if you, you know, put your picture on your profile or you store your photos on Google photos, or you send emails on Gmail, or you keep your documents on Google drive, they have access to all that stuff. If they want it, time if to they switch. really need it. Time to switch yeah. to Firefox. They know what your home address is. <laughs> they know what your home address is. They know where Jeez. you live. They know what you like. They know your preferences. Like besides, they the know point. your location. Yeah, no. Well, <laughs> Apple knows your location, right? Yeah, famous quote from my dad. He said, "Look, I'm not a criminal, so." <laughs> well, <laughs> but, yeah, but, but still, it's it's that's a big violation of privacy. But you know, right now we're wrong. not I'm considered. Not criminal, but right now we're not considered criminals. Mm -hmm. But they know everything about you. This, I mean, a lot about you. They and they they store all of this information in databases, right, in these huge servers, because they just collect all this data now. These corporations are semi-above the law, actually mostly above the law, because they operate in multiple countries, right? And so we try and do some legislation here in the U.S., but they'll somehow get around it or they'll move to another country and they only operate in some ways. So that data stays with them, right? Unless the U.S. government goes through like a huge confiscation of all that stuff. And then even then they would probably be able to dump it somewhere else. Okay, these corporations know so much about you. Google is literally developing a censorship machine with the Chinese government, right? And now these facial recognition towers are going up. Like, it's just, it's it's not getting it's blowing better. blowing out of it proportion. It is not getting better at My all. Goodness. It is just getting way worse. Substantially grown to be terrible. Yeah, and think about, you know, the partnership with, with Google and China. That should be, that that is scarier than That's any like political prospect. That's like we got. treason. Well, I mean, corporations are now... They're now ultra-national. They're, they're supra-national. They're, they're above all nations. And so these guys make their own rules. And in fact, because they have the money, they make the rules, right? Because they can 
buy and sell politicians. This is this problem of globalism we've been going back to, right? Goodness. They can buy and sell politicians as they like. Um, they can work or not work with the Chinese government if they want to. They can help them implement facial recognition software. You know, imagine teaming up the facial recognition software with the database knowledge of Google. I mean, that's that's a match made in hell. I mean, it's just just imagine that. That not only do they have all the facial recognition stuff, but they are attached to all of the data that all of us are living on online. Oh my goodness, all of that data is matched up with the facial stuff. They can do whatever they want. They, they have literally point. control of everything. At least in your, you know, unless you, you know, end up on the side of a mountain somewhere, if you're going to live in society at this point in the Chinese mainland, you know, and, and so when I, if, if I ever decide to show up in Beijing, right. And these facial recognition towers go bing, bing, boing, there is Alex Denley and, uh, Ooh, he's here's all of my, he's Ooh. an American and, uh, here's all the stuff that we know about him. And, uh, here he is walking around and look, I don't know, maybe I'm blowing this out of proportion. No, you're not. You're not but, blowing this out of proportion. It at least should give us pause, just like it gave a lot of people pause when you know Snowden came out with the NSA has been spying on people for forever and we didn't know about it. If the United States government is doing NSA stuff, what do you think China's doing? Yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Oh my goodness! Right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, we we're pretty crazy with that stuff. You know, the NSA stuff got revealed and people are like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe the government really knows that much about me." I mean, I don't think we consider this enough. How much of our lives and how much of our everything is just online is accessible and uh, we don't it's, think it's, about it you know we think about it in the positive way like yeah. anyone can publish something on youtube right or anyone can instantly send out a tweet or like it's all this positive stuff you don't realize as much positive stuff there's probably like 20x times more potential for harmful stuff that could happen in the future and you say well you know people wouldn't stand up for that or or whatever else i mean it we just, you know, some people may be a part of that small amount of people who feel the brunt of it while the rest of the people just stand by. That's literally China. Hong Kong right now is feeling the brunt of all of this stuff. Mainland Chinese people are completely ignorant of all the these facts. And, it's just corruption. And it's not like they could know about it. They can't even, it's not even possible for them to know about it because their whole internet is censored. Everything censored. You start talking up about this, this stuff, you'll disappear. Now, there's more freedom in certain areas of China than, than other areas. There, there's some freedoms, but I mean, we should definitely have the the red flags going up. Well, yeah. Um, in the beating of your heart, da -da 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 -da. French Revolution, baby. And to have American companies doing this, we should be angry. Yeah. Like no, that, Blizzard, that's, that's who's bad. based out of SoCal, and the NBA of all people, Jeez. Nike, Google. Nike too? Yeah, Nike. I believe Nike. Oh, uh, my gosh. I got to stop buying their products, dude. I love Nike, but man, <laughs> shoot, I get the shoes mostly. Look, it's hard at this. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a difficult case. It's a difficult case, right? Because we love these companies. You know, you say in the sense of like, we love their products. I mean, is anyone really going to go over to Bing? Instead of Google search. <laughs> right. I remember Bing. <laughs> They're still around. They're still around. I mean, but no one it. uses Bing. Why? Because it's really not great. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Google, that's why there's a, it's a literal verb now to Google something. That didn't exist, you know, yeah, like 25 right, years yeah. ago. Google it. So are you going to, in protest of Google making this deal with China to censor its own citizens, 
are you willing to go far enough to where you're not you're going to start using Bing or like DuckDuckGo or something <laughs> like that? Some random search engine. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to give up Gmail and Google Drive and Google Photos and YouTube and not use a Google phone to express your dissatisfaction with their Chinese? Um, Nobody's going to do that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I yeah, feel I like mean, people no won't really. because people love their electronics. I mean, or are you going yeah. to, you know, not watch the NBA finals? Can't do that because, or are you not going <laughs> to buy your LeBron, you know, your your uh, Black Mamba uh, <laughs> Nikes or something like that, right? In yeah. protest of the NBA, it's just so difficult because we rely on these products so much. These companies realize their competition. It's it's not like we have more competition. It's like we have the marketplace is definitely tough, but it's fewer and fewer, huger and huger companies. <laughs> like they're just enormous and massive. They provide so many services we just can't do without. Like, are you going to stop using Google Maps? Are you going to stop using these things? Because Google collects all this data. And most people are like, whatever, they can use my data. I don't care. Right. But we don't know all the effects of what they can do with that because they're above the law and they work with the Chinese and they're like, <laughs> like we're stuck. It's another rock in a hard place. Yeah. It's like, are you going to stop using that? How many, are you going to like rally a bunch of people to start using something different? I don't know. Now, in the same regard, the rock and the hard place for these huge corporations is money or principles. And money always wins over principles. There <laughs> At you least go. in our day. Fact. So they're going to side with, they're going to make deals with the devil to get ahead above other companies because they're beholden to who? Stockholders which are run by us who get the products, right? It's just, we're, we're in a weird system, you know, and, and um, it's, it's what we got, you know, it's, but we got to be aware of it for these, for these companies and, uh, and call them out as best we can. Does it look like a ban on doing Google? I don't know. It won't be for me. Yeah, how, how can you even do that? No, right. I mean, like how, how can, we're students, we have to use this kind of stuff, right? I mean, should we all go out to Montana, middle well, of nowhere, start <laughs> hunting bison and elk? Right, I'm down for that. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> Just be us growing beards, making moonshine out in Montana. I don't uh, use Google, dude. That's your use... that's your total like dream, right? <laughs> maybe I shouldn't repeat. Maybe I shouldn't say that over podcast. No, yeah, the dream. Just talk philosophy, and maybe we could do our podcast from there. From from the. Uh, the great mountains of Montana. Dude, I got to go do a little little ad for Montana. Definitely go up there. That Dude, place is amazing. I got to go back to I Glacier. I haven't been there in 10 years. I got to go back. Oh, you did go to Glacier? I've been there. I went there 10 <sighs> years ago. Wow. I remember it pretty well, but dude, I missed so much. I'm going to take a drive there. And it's just unbelievable. Go. Montana is just something. I want to go hunting up there eventually. Oh, same, but, same, same. I mean, that's the uh, that's the alternative. You're just going to have to shrink away from society. Jeez. Um yeah, people should go out and read 1984. I mean, it's a, like a literal remember, description it's of a, like what it's a China's good, pushing. It's a good foreshadowing. That's what it is. I mean, right. this is you know what this all this is like the whole Jason Bourne series. I mean, <laughs> right, it is. Yeah. I've watched. I used to watch those movies so much. I still do. I love Jason Bourne. Shout out to Matt Damon, heck, heck of an actor in those in those movies. But I'm sure, he's listening. He's probably he probably is. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> um, but no, I, I feel like this is this is only going to get. I'm sure this. I'm so sure that this is only going to get worse. There's no way that I don't think this is going to get better. Um, but it's been blown out of proportion so bad. 
Like now we have all these American companies joining in. This is bad. Like, I don't think it's I don't think it's a fair statement to say that this makes Trump look bad because I don't think that's true. But it sure raises the question of is he going to do something about it? I don't, maybe he has done something. I don't know. Mm. But I don't know. It's 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 a big crisis right now. I feel bad for the people of China for what they're trying to do and to protest. Um, I don't know if it's exactly been peaceful protests. Has it? It has been, right? Most of them? I mean, there's In been... Hong Kong, it's it's gone both sides. Both sides? I mean, there's been a lot of peaceful protests, but the police are being brutal, and so people will be brutal back, right? right? And and we've seen people getting hurt, and that guy got shot. I mean, a little guy got shot in the protest. There's been multiple people shot. There's shooting tear gas. Um, yeah, it's been violent in some parts. I mean, it's been going on for, you know, since March. Jeez. So, and there's been more than a million people protesting. You're going to have some people be violent in that. There's no way you have a, you know, million plus people and no one turns violent out of it. And it's, it's, yeah, I yeah, mean, it's, no, it's really no tough. Way. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's crazy. And you can't just be like, well, all protests are bad. And so Hong Kong guys should, should go away. It's like, look, if, Imagine if the U.S. tried to pull some crap like that. Like, I'd be in the streets. I wouldn't be going. I wouldn't be going to work and stuff. Mm, I, yeah. No. I mean, it would have to be something serious, obviously. But if you, if your whole city stops, if Hong Kong is literally just stopped and it's said, stopped. "We got to go to the streets," <laughs> otherwise, yeah. this is our whole life is in our whole jeopardy. livelihood is in jeopardy. Right Everything's now. in jeopardy. Yeah. Everybody uh, would. There'd be nobody going to work. There'd be no business because people. And I don't think that'll ever happen in the U.S. Um, but look what happens when you have a certain government set up a certain way. It's bound to happen, like communism. I mean, look, maybe 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 that's not fair to say. Never bound happened to happen. in the U.S. though. I don't think we've so. had some surprises. We've had we have had surprises. Okay, how about, how about the Vietnam War, right? Which, okay, fair. In which the government knew that we were losing and that it, what we weren't going to win, and the Pentagon Papers come out, right? And we we hear Lyndon B. Johnson and all these other you know the presidents and stuff saying. We knew we knew we weren't going to win in Vietnam. We knew it was going da- down and bad, and we chose to lie to the American people to stay in the war for extra years to fight communism and stuff. Right? That's the government. Yeah. And we're we're like you know out of comparatively to the the chai comms, we're you know much more open or whatever else. But right, because um, we have leaders that get replaced within four to eight years, at least for presidents and for senators and other stuff. Like that's the the swamp that you know is D.C. right, and then with the NSA stuff with the Patriot Act right yep. that came yep. through, right. and then all that got revealed. It's like, oh yeah, the government knows all this data about you and has been spying on you without your without your, you know, without you saying yeah, go ahead and spy on me. They were just doing it, and they had these huge like bases where you just have thousands of people searching through Americans' data. Online data, phone calls, all sorts of stuff. We just said, yeah, yeah, we're okay with that. I mean, they could they could pull something like that. I it's not it's not like we're it's not sitting, impossible. It's not impossible. I don't think it would happen, but I, I'm. It's, it's not, not like we're sitting in some like, you know, moral high ground that can never be broken. Right, you know, right, with, fair. They're they're up there with an American flag and like an eagle soaring overhead, right? And there's like gold and glory and all this stuff, right? I mean, we've had situations that are like that. Over the years, um, propaganda machine. Uh, it's 
It's that money and principles thing. It's like money rules the world. And when we abandon American principles to, let's say, get individual gain or corporation gain or something like that, that's when you see American manufacturing and American businesses and American people are suffering from that because now all that money's going to China and all those corporations are, that's, that's the reason why, you know, Trump, a lot of it, Trump got elected by, you know, what they call middle America is because we were selling out a lot of American jobs to other countries in favor of short-term profits, but not for American profits, globalism. It's, it's especially bad in our day. Right. Um, well, with all the increase of, I, I like to call it the technological revolution, um, all these new technologies are coming out, and we have so many different ways of monitoring people, um, all sorts of different systems where we can just simply look at somebody and just like that, snap of a finger, have facial recognition. I mean, who the, if you told Washington, Je- uh, no, sorry, Washington Jefferson, if you told George Washington, and said, hey, look, in 200 years, we're going to be able to, or or not, don't say the year. You say, if you told George Washington, someday we're going to be able to have some sort of device where we can recognize your face when you're 10,000 miles away from here. He'd be like, sir, uh, what have you been drinking? Um, and and no, he, he would say that because they had no idea. They didn't even have cars no. back then. No, yeah. You know, so it's it's. Everything everything <laughs> really evolves like, fast. Things are changing ridiculously fast. And for these corporations, it changes even quicker because they, they're they ahead of the game. They're always trying to be ahead of the game. So you get the smartest people. You get the uh, latest technology that, you know, the fact that we have instant internet and all this other stuff now as consumers. I mean, just think about what they got now at, at the corporations at Google and stuff and the stuff they've been working on. I mean, they're implementing mass facial recognition surveillance stuff in hong kong like you got to be kidding me like how did, how did get, it get that far exactly how, how do they get, get to that, that point and um so they're already like steps ahead you know and um the, it's it's changing for them even quicker i mean it's still the internet's still the wild west in a lot of ways it's it's gotten censored a lot more but um and and get in the government and policy and you know making these things law and stuff is always so far backlogged for it i mean do you remember when zuckerberg came to the congress and was getting oh, interviewed and stuff yeah i, I watched that, that whole thing yeah yeah he was like deflecting so many questions oh yeah oh course. my gosh of course yeah those are well he goes well hilarious. senator you know <laughs> i watched that whole thing i was like oh dude you're getting destroyed right now they're on to you they are on to you right well, now. Well, yeah, but at the same time, you what have exactly, these politicians. What exactly happened again? There was some, they just uh, called them up. There was a breakthrough in Facebook, right? Something happened, right? What, what was it I think again? they were talking about privacy and data. Yeah, oh, I that's right. Wrong. It was like a leak of privacy. Oh, oh, it was um, um, some, that English. It's an English name. Britan- not Britannic. It was information got leaked through another system in, what was it called, Manchester or something? I forget. There was an English name, um, and basically they got all their information from Facebook or something. Somebody sent it over or stole it or yeah. something. I don't know. And uh, and I think it also got inter- uh, Zuckerberg came for the Russian bots, yeah, the uh, the geez. Facebook trolls, right? Yeah. That are actually Russian agents and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, what was funny to me was seeing these senators and all these other people asking like the most basic internet questions yeah. to Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, I know. Like, how do you collect this data? There was there was this there there's so funny. There was this one old senator and he was like, Let's just be honest, your ruler agreement something sucks. <laughs> he said that. He said it sucks. And I was laughing so hard at that. That was funny. He oh said, yeah, like your the user privacy agreement, agreement yeah. privacy agreement sucks. <laughs> And let's be honest, it sucks. Those, yeah, I mean, I, if you go into, let's say for the advertising part of it, um, Cambridge Analytica, Cambridge Analytica, that's what okay. it was. Yeah. Cambridge Britannica. So Manchester. for advertisers on Facebook, because Facebook has so much data on their individual users, you can actually, if you want to, let's say you want to advertise your product, right? You're selling, I don't know, skin moisturizer, right? You can. There's all these different parameters that you can set on who gets to see your ad on Facebook because they've collected so much data. Advertisers can advertise only to the people they really want to see. And I'm telling you, the parameters are ridiculously specific. You can pick like a particular state. You can pick male or female. You can pick how old they are. You can pick like they've bought products in the past. You can pick like all these different data points so that an advertiser can get exactly the type of person they want to buy their specific product. Now, in one regard, this is really good because, like, think of the difference between a TV commercial and a Facebook ad, right? A TV commercial, anybody who's in a, let's say it's region specific, okay? So let's say you're, you're sitting in Manhattan, you, you're watching the Giants game, New York Giants football game, and you see an ad for uh, the, the latest iPhone, Right? Maybe iPhone has just decided they're going to advertise for just that region. Well, that's all they can do is advertise for a region because anyone who turns on a TV will get that ad. Now, think about it this way. Now, let's say Apple wants to sell that same iPhone, but they want to target people who are between the ages of 45 and 50, who live in an apartment in New York City, who are also teachers, who, and all of them are female, and like imagine six other parameters of specificity. They can literally advertise to only those people. Yeah. Maybe there's only like 50 or right, something like that. Right. But you can set all those different types of parameters. And so mm -hmm. you're browsing Facebook, right? And on the side, those ads that pop up or, or wherever else, those are specifically targeted for you. I mean, in one regard, it's like, okay, great for advertisers because you're connecting the product with the person. And so in the positive regard, that's, that's great. That's really good. And in fact, Facebook ads are some of the highest turnover rates of any platform you can advertise on. Sometimes even better than Google ad, like uh, if you create a Google AdWords account, right? And so Facebook, because they're so specialized, they know so much data, they can meet advertisers to the person who wants to buy their product. It's great. Now, at the same time, they have all that information. And so they can buy and sell that information. So meaning if another company wants to say, we want to, you know, have all this information on people, Facebook has the rights to sell that information to other companies, right? Without your express agreement, because you've assented to their user agreement, which says we can collect all these database points. And they say, okay, well, if I create the platform in which you give me all the data, then you're agreeing to my fair use of that data. Yep. So you're agreeing that your information will be there because you're putting your silly face on Facebook. Stay away from Facebook. That's what I'm saying. But you're putting all of your life and everything on there. They can do whatever they want with that data. Now, they team up with China. <laughs> right? You see how this all keeps going, right? And, Continuous uh, downward spiral. 
Well, they just know more and more about you. And and you could say, okay, well, look, we're exaggerating. This is kind of like conspiracy stuff. This will never happen um, in the sense of they, they have the data. That's not disputable. But you could say, um, you know, they're not going to sell that to the Chinese government. That's not going to have repercussions in my actual life. You know, I'm not a criminal, but we should be aware that's now out there. That's a more powerful tool than you can imagine. The fact that the government could know your exact location at any point in time. My goodness. We're carrying around literal location devices that at any moment Apple could tap into and say, oh, Kellen Lake, he's sitting in Franciscan University in this particular place. And let's say if we did have a tyrannical government or something like that, and they were looking for Mr. Kellen Lake, they could converge upon that point you know, with the police instantly. Now, for China, that has real applications right because it does. Very, because you very. imagine chinese citizens are now a lot of them are online they have phones and stuff chinese government knows exactly where every single know citizen everything is. about every and they know, person right and they're using that information you know for for bad and, and for worse and whatever else i mean we had such a reaction with the nsa because we're freedom loving people we like our privacy we like whatever else you know it's to the point where the average chinese citizen they accept that as the normal they don't even know anything different and right, uh, they don't know any better. Yeah. And so That's the problem, they're not informed. That's we're thinking thing. like, oh, the Internet, it's so freeing. It's so, you know, people are able to be all this new technology is making people more interconnected. It's making people, you know, there's all these benefits of, of information being spread so rapidly. Well, look, I mean, China is just using it for the opposite. They're using it. These are more there's more harm that people just don't see in this stuff. They just say, oh, well, it's Google. It's good. You know, they let me know when I want to, you know, find, uh, you know, a kitten toy or something like that. I can instantly find it on Google, right? Whereas Bing, you have to go to like the fourth page or something, right? Uh, <laughs> and so we just accept that. But there's a lot of things we need to be considering regarding privacy, regarding data, regarding these companies going with the Chinese government, right? These, these other countries and all this stuff. Like this has global implications and implications in your local your local life. It's just not as seen all the time. Which is why I think people should keep up more on like current news and stuff because it has real, even though something's happening in China, it has real applications to here too. I mean, this isn't just some, something that started in China. Edward Snowden, the guy who really exposed the NSA, I mean, he, he, uh, he saw, not only did he see what was present, what was going on, the danger, but he saw a, like a big future into this. Like this is only going to get worse. Somebody's got to do something. And uh, many people we call him a whistleblower, but I don't, I have to read up on it again because I don't exactly remember the arguments. I don't, why were people calling him a traitor? He released, he released documents that were classified. Yeah. And but, so the U S government wanted to prosecute him. I think he's still in Russia. He's think, actually, yeah, he's he in Moscow. In Russia? Is he Moscow. Yeah. He's under Jeez. basically house arrest in Moscow. But, and, he, but uh, he was because he's supposed to be extradited to the U.S. I think uh, what was the other guy's name? Uh, WikiLeaks guy. Yeah, yeah, um, you're right. He uh, was just forget, he but. was just I think he was just recently brought to the U.S. This wasn't too long ago. Maybe this is in spring. WikiLeaks. That's right. The WikiLeaks yeah. guy. Um, let me look him up. WikiLeaks. Um, yeah, the first thing that pops up in Google: WikiLeaks guy. <laughs> <laughs> Julian Assange. You remember Julian him, Assange, Julian Assange? Huh? So he was in he was in an embassy in London. Under basically house oh, arrest. Goodness. Because he leaks a bunch of documents and stuff. Um, 
right? Because the government doesn't want these classified documents leaked because, I mean, it's, it's against the law, but they're basically ratting out all this secretive stuff that the government's doing about your data and privacy and, and you know, the NSA, the national, what is it? National, national Security uh, Security Administration. Yeah, administration. administration. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. That's why you have Edward Snowden still in Moscow. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't places. do anything wrong, did he? He released classified documents, which is a... That is treason, but but think about it in the bigger <laughs> aspect, right? <laughs> well, the government can't think about it in the bigger aspect well, unless, they can't, unless you have obviously. like a presidential pardon or something like that, right, which yeah. I don't even know if that would really work, but he has to be prosecuted according to American law. Well, right. And, uh, well... That's why, that's why about, he went yeah. to the Russians, so he wouldn't be prosecuted for that. That's right. He fled there. He fled. That's right. I remember now. I mean, his yeah. story is just a, a crazy it's story. A crazy. You have but to read I, up on it. I mean, he brought it into the American mind. He, he left a legacy there that did not get taken away. And it, yeah. not, it couldn't possibly. It's impossible for, for his impact to be taken away because people are like, oh, now I see what's going on. Right. You know? Yeah, I think he's. So I think he's still problem. in. Um, I'm pretty sure he's still, he's still in. There. Yeah, he's still in Moscow. Goodness gracious, he's 36 years old. He's from North Carolina. He's only 36. How old was he when he did this? Like 18 or something. He. Uh, Are you sure he, he left in 2013? 2013's the year when he was. was uh, that recent. Yeah. Edward Snowden, born in '83, is an American whistleblower who copied and leaked highly classified information from the from the NSA. In 2013, when he was the a CIA employee and subcontractor, right, right, his disclosures revealed numerous global surveillance programs run by the NSA and Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance, with the cooperation of telecommunications companies and European governments, and prompted a cultural discussion about national security and individual privacy. And uh, he flew to Hong Kong originally, and uh, met with a bunch of uh, journalists uh, with. Uh, three journalists who published all of his material and he also published it in the guardian and the Washington post. And uh, then he flew to Moscow <laughs> because on Snowden's 30th birthday, June 21st, 2013, the U S department of justice unsealed charges against Snowden of two counts of violating the espionage act of 1917, releasing classified documents of the NSA and theft of government property following which the Department of State revoked his passport. Two days later, he flew to Moscow and has been there since. That's crazy. Uh, Russia later granted Snowden the right of asylum with an initial visa for residence for one year and repeated extensions and have permitted him to stay at least until 2020. Um, as of 2017, he is married and living in Moscow. I mean, <laughs> what a crazy story. Jeez, what a crazy story. Now, yeah, I mean... And think about what a major move that was, because in 2013 we had is, no we had yeah. no idea, and then all of a sudden he flies to Hong Kong, dumps all of these documents, and the whole country's talking about the government is literally spying on us and knows everything about every us. Every single text, every internet search, yeah. everything. If I send a text to my buddies, they know exactly what I said. They see it. Your FBI agents watching. <laughs> no, I don't. I, now I don't really know if I don't know. I, I could be off on this, but I don't really know if they pay that close attention. If it's you know, you kind of you kind of get what I'm saying. If it's not like that important, like you're just talking to your friends, like I don't really think they care that as much. Maybe they do. I, I don't think they do. 
but if if it's big stuff like um like big topics or like planning stuff i don't know if you're if you have bad intentions i don't know then they'll start paying attention but i don't think they care as much if it's just minor stuff maybe they still look at it, i don't know i don't even know how you do that you have like 10 million employees that just look at all your stuff i mean how does that even work yeah they just have huge like just ama- yeah just imagine like huge offices yeah filled with people Going through stuff. I mean, obviously, they have software that's, like, filtering through all this data to, like, find certain points and all this stuff. But, like, they're collecting all that data. I mean, all of your text and phone calls. And it's, like, it's... Right? What they're doing with it, it's it's hard when you say it in the general sense, like, oh, well, they're collecting data. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm sending a text, like, oh, I'm going to get eggs at the grocery store or something like that, right? But the fact that they're collecting the data is the the difficulty, right? It's, like... They're collecting it. Now, in any bit of data, let's say somebody dropped on my desk piles of information about 100 random people I have no idea about. And you're one of those people. And now it's sitting on my desk. Now, I can do whatever I want with that that information. You know, whatever's within my power to do with that information. The fact that I have the information... I don't have a right to that information. We didn't give the government a right to, like, look at all this stuff. Now, the Patriot Act did, which we can get into the Patriot Act. But um, if you unwillingly, uh, you know, all this data was given unwillingly and it just shows up on a random person's desk and it's about your life and stuff, they don't have a right to that information. They didn't buy the information. You didn't give them that information willingly. We don't want our government doing that. It's a problem. It's a literal problem. Now, maybe I use that information, sift through it, and I'm part of the government. I'm part of the NSA. And I find one of those people has, like, I don't know, Islamic um, extremist tendencies. And I contact the FBI and say, you know, take a closer look at this person. And they start following them or something like that, right? Is that worth the other 99 having their personal data without their knowledge being at the disposal of the United States government? Is that worth it? So the Patriot Act said, yes, that's worth it. But they didn't really tell the American people that. That's what the Snowden leak really revealed, right? But it's difficult because the average individual person's not sitting around like, yeah, I'm not a criminal. Why do I have to care about, you know, whether... All my data is at the hands of someone like Eric Snowden sitting in an office in in California somewhere in Nevada, right? Like, oh, what does it matter that they're collecting all my data? People just don't get the real dangers of it. I don't think people, people don't care. That's the thing. It's like, oh, you can do whatever you want. I'm not a criminal. I mean, that's not really a good argument in, in the essence of it, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's a weird <laughs> well, let's go back to the Patriot Act. Because I yeah, believe so that's the The Patriot Act was I totally forgot. That was So that's, that's after that was after the nine eleven attacks. Um and it was used to strengthen national security. And um one of the things that it expanded was the NSA. Um Right, okay. Their and their right to information and stuff. Is that what it was? Uh, yes. So, so they used it because it was an, uh, yeah, those opposing the law have criticized its authorization of indefinite detentions of immigrants, the permission given to law enforcement to search a home or business 
without the owner's or the occupant's consent or knowledge, and the expanded use of national security letters, which allows the FBI to search telephone, email, and financial records without a court order, and the expanded access of law enforcement agencies to business records, including library and financial records. Since its passage, several legal challenges have been brought against the act, and federal courts have ruled that a number of provisions are unconstitutional. So with this act, it basically opened the door for way more, the, the NSA to do all this data mining that they were able to do without a court order, right? Because before you'd need, if you were going to collect data like this, like phone data, text messages, internet history, all this type of data, in order for the government to do that, they would need a court order, right? You had to go to the court and say, just like if a police officer comes to your car and says, I want to search your car, you can say no, unless you have a search warrant. Right, you have right? to have a search warrant. You have yeah. to have a search warrant. Now, if you say yes, they'll search your car because you've given them permission, but they don't have the right to search your car. The Imagine, imagine this bill is just like they have the right to search your car whenever they want to. That's what they did with the data. Because they use this Patriot Act as, uh, as imagine there's there's a you know let's say there's a million cars that we could search. One of those has like five pounds of cocaine in it. So we're gonna search all of those cars without court orders because one car has cocaine in it. That's the that is the there effect is. of this NSA law. Is they're saying one of these phone calls will be a phone call between two terrorists about to do a terrorist attack. And if we mine the data from, if we search through and we develop software to go through millions of phone calls, we're going to catch them early. That's kind of the justification for it. Now, do we want that? Like, do you want your car to be searched by a police officer without a warrant um, with the possibility that, you know, one out of a million cars is going to be filled with cocaine and the police officer couldn't search it at that point because he didn't have a, uh, a warrant and the guy got away with cocaine. Like that's, that is the effect of the bill, right? It's, it's a, uh, we could prevent a terrorist attack, right? You know, it may be, maybe prevent a terrorist attack. We had access to phone calls and access to text messages. It's not a good basis for your argument. I mean, I mean, that's what the American people have to decide. It's like, do you want that? Then that's what Snowden put back on the table. Yeah. Because he put that back on the table because people didn't know that. Right. And so from the government's perspective, he's a, you know, he needs to be tried. From the Russian perspective, they're like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, he's All hated right. by the U.S. government. Let's yeah, bring him like, into Moscow. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, it's competition. And, uh, well, because Russia's glad that it undermines the national security of the United States. I mean, the Russian government's doing the same thing with their citizens. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, who's going to stand up in Russia against mm, nobody, the Nobody, unless you want to get... Get destroyed. Get destroyed. <laughs> right. You're at, so, knocking on that door. Yeah, this this mining of privacy and these other things, um, it's a it's a real concern. And I mean, going back to the Hong Kong protest, facial recognition, all this stuff, this globalist push, um, it's becoming harder and harder to have these type of protests and uh, and to really stand up against the government because we're we're in this this time where these private companies have so much power and the government now has so much data and. Um, there needs to be a renewed conversation about this, about what do we want our government to look like and what do we want these corporations to know about us?
because they know a lot already. And have we gone to the point of no return? Like, is it too too late? I mean, it seems like it's too late. We're going to turn back the clock. You're going to go to the databases and blow up everything, you know? Just catch it on fire. Um, well, certainly the people of people of China have a big decision to make. Um, and they're in our they're in our thoughts and prayers and uh we'll we'll keep them we'll keep you guys updated on that. We'll talk a little bit about it more. We're gonna close this first section um and we'll be right back with some more epic stuff. All right. When when exactly was was the meeting? Still ongoing. So Still it'll be ongoing. it'll be going until the twenty seventh of October. And they're they're in big discussion right now, and it's been a lot of cardinals have called out um, the Vatican. I think the Pope in particular, right? Yes. For, and so um, it's been a really big really big thing going on. So tell us about the first development that's happened so far. I mean, we've had the. Instrumentum, instrumentum laboris, right? That was the preparatory mm-hmm. document for all the, which really seemed like it was not very, very good argument based, or it just seemed false, right? Like against Catholic teaching. Yeah. Many people are wondering why such a small area gets to go to the Vatican, have a big, big meeting between. That was like first big question, um, and it's it's a big problem right now, and and we're praying for it for sure, um, but. What's going on more in depth now with it? Sure. And as a preface, uh, this is a synod uh, of bishops for the Pan-Amazonian region. Um, as Cardinal Brandmuller pointed out, uh, this synod is um, quite strange because it's about only about 4 million indigenous people in the Amazon region. Um, but there's this huge synod that's going on right now in the Vatican uh, over the course of uh, it's, it got started, I believe, on Monday of this week and it's going to be going till the end of October and they're meeting to and this is from the instrumentum laboris to identify new paths for the evangelization of God's people in that region specifically the indigenous peoples who are quote often forgotten and without the prospect of a serene future so before the synod um I mean, first of all, there was much talk about why you would call a, sim- a synod for the Pan-Amazon Amazon region. Why does it necessitate some real different uh, synodality? It seems as though there's ulterior motives being pushed within using this framework of a synod to push other bigger church positions. Um, and uh, there was a working document that was made for the synod. So they make a preparatory document and then they end up making a real document during the synod. And it's the instrumental laboris, the, the working document. And uh, that, that document has been slammed by a lot of Catholic commentators as being, first of all, it barely mentions Jesus in it. It has an extended section on ecological conversion, and it praises the indigenous peoples of the Amazon as having this unity with the environment and with Mother Nature, and it praises the indigenous people and their unity with God. And it has all these very strange things that speak of paganism, really. And um, doesn't really mention Christ too often. And gets a lot into ecological concerns rather than how do we convert the people. And um, as Cardinal Brandmuller points out, it's, it's uh, getting into issues that bishops really shouldn't be getting into. Um, 
dealing with ecological stuff and dealing with like it's like and, a whole separate branch though they don't talk about that doesn't make sense to bring that i mean you don't talk about ecological stuff when i mean you bring this to the vatican right so why it, it does raise a lot of questions it's kind of suspicious to me more than anything it seems earthly right and um yeah the preparatory document released in june identified the key themes of the synod as the role of women in the church the rights and traditions of indigenous people and the need to provide greater access to the Eucharist. This is from the Instrumentum Laboris. Um, it's, and, and rightly so, multiple cardinals have, have come out before the Synod and many different Catholic commentaries and say, um, there are some ulterior motives here. And one of them is this role of women in the church, the possibility of women being ordained, ordained to the major orders, to the diaconate, which would be the greatest violation of the sacrament of holy orders. My goodness. Right? Because um, those in holy orders are meant to be conformed to the image of Christ. And if a woman was to take that position, that would destroy the whole notion of being conformed to the image of Christ. Also, the idea that a woman could be offering the sacrifice of the mass or could be even participating in it in a liturgical function is, is radical. <coughs> I wonder where they got that. I wonder where they got that whole idea of how do they base that off that's not even that's heresy like i mean it <laughs> yeah, literally is up. yeah yeah so women how, deacons. how did they even i don't know i have more questions than answers on this but and the other thing they want to push along with women deacons and when i'm saying they i'm meaning the more liberal bishops and and non-governmental organizations ngos there's been a number of NGOs that are working in that region that want to see the church kind of conform to where the secular world is going with this stuff. So becoming like, oh, well, women can be in high positions of power too, right? And the Anglican church has already done that, All right, You can have women pastors in the Anglican uh, ecclesial communion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we need, to, we need to make the church more like the times, women deacons, which is complete heresy and complete nonsense. And the other thing they want to push is married priests. My goodness. They want to have married priests in the Amazon. Uh, one of the bishops says, um, yeah, here, here it is. Bishop says, so this is just, this happened yesterday. Um, so they've already started to hold these meetings. So before the Synod, there's been, you know, all this talk, Cardinal Brandmuller, Cardinal Burke, uh, Archbishop uh, Athanasius Snyder, Cardinal Seurat, who is a super high prelate. Um, They've all spoken out against the instrument of Laboris. They've spoken out against the Synod, and they said, this is leading us towards heresy. This is really bad. Pope Francis really hadn't given any response and has been very supportive of the Synod. There was uh, just yesterday, uh, October 9th, an Austrian-Brazilian bishop stated today that there is no other option, sorry, stated yesterday, that there is no other option but to ordain married men in the Amazon because the indigenous people don't understand celibacy. This is Bishop Erwin Krautzler of the Missionaries of the Precious Blood. And he's the Bishop Emeritus of uh, Xingu in Brazil. And he says, uh, this is a direct quote, There is no other option because they do not understand celibacy, Krautzler said. The bishop has been asked by indigenous peoples where his wife is. Upon being told that he didn't have a wife, they responded, quote, poor man. Um... You don't change church structure, you you educate them. Yeah, exactly. You don't change the whole church's structure, you educate them, you ding-dongs. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's so true. 
<laughs> like, doesn't make any yeah, sense. I mean, look, your eminence. Like, we're, we're not going to change that because they called you a poor man for not having a wife. Um, it's, it's so... It's so asinine. It's insane. It is. And, well, I mean, why would they... Is it really concern for the Amazon people that you would change the church, like, teaching on married priests? Or is it really because you want to see that implemented worldwide? That's, that's, yeah. That is the inference from the particular defense. I mean, there's not enough, there's not enough there for the Amazon to merit. I mean, there's been way tougher missionary places than that. And what, what is that really going to, okay, you're going to get more native seminarians if they're married? Like, well, they're not going to live out authentic priesthood. Like, they're going to have this, do you really want them to become Catholics or not? That's the question. Do you want them to become Catholics? If you wanted to become Catholics, then like make them Catholics. If you're going to be a priest, <laughs> make them Catholic. It's right. Not... If you're going to give up your whole life to be a priest, why would you, why would you deny that great gift of celibacy to an Amazonian person? Like what, what makes them so special? <laughs> no, you're that, right. That, that you would abolish celibacy for them. Right. They're saying they're doing it out of love for the indigenous people. That's not love. That's, that's, that's contempt. Because you're saying you can't live up to it. You, I mean, it's semi-racist when you get down to it. Think about that. Yeah. You you can't handle celibacy. That's pretty racist if you get down to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think about it. Oh, you're an indigenous person. Yeah. <laughs> okay, when we mean indigenous, do we mean like tribal? Yeah, they're pretty, like, imagine like tribal and stuff. I mean, this is in, this is literally in the jungles of the Amazon. Yeah, okay. How many cardinals are there in, over there? Are there cardinals? In South America, uh, well, Jorge they, Borgoglio was one. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think there's there's a number. But they're of mostly in Europe, though, right? Uh, yeah, a good number of them. Um, although Pope Francis just raised, I believe, thirteen men to be to the cardinalate. So, and I think some of them were from were from South America. I mean, of course, the Pope himself is from Argentina, um, which I brought up earlier. Liberation theology. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean it. look, it it doesn't make. I don't know how many people around the world really know in depth about this. I bet you not many. M maybe, maybe, but I would think that there wouldn't be that many because I don't know. Maybe just a lot of them don't pay attention to, it, even though they should. But there's something fishy about it because it. Why would you do that just for a certain people? Like, if you wanna, if you're gonna, it's not how the process works. You don't change church structure and actually the biggest fault that you could do, make, allow priests to get married. That's the complete opposite of what a priest is. A priest sacrifices that gift and for, for being a priest. Um, and now in relation to women being diaconates, right? That's also completely against church teaching, isn't it? Yeah. I mean... I don't understand. I think I, I must be misinterpreting something. I don't know. But I think it's all politics. What is what it maybe. I mean, and that's what I think. I think that's what it comes down to is politics. But what am I missing here? Because there has to be way more to this because you can't just say if something's against church teaching, there should be no allowed meetings or anything, right? That's what Cardinal Syrah said. It, it's not po it shouldn't be possible. Yeah. That's exactly what Car uh, Cardinal Sarasa. So what said. the heck is Pope Francis doing? 
Cardinal Seurat, just recently. Amazon Synod's push for married priests is an insult to God. Uh, he's the he's the prefect insult of the Congregation for Divine Worship. He said it is theologically absurd. This is a prince it, it, of the church. Just... <laughs> he's calling it like it is. So what what's Pope Francis doing then? I'm just I'm just curious as what his thought process is right now. I want to know what's going through his head because I don't understand. If it's against church teaching, why would he has authority to say we're going to allow this to come to the Vatican, right? He has that power, right? To allow the the synod to happen? Yeah. Yeah, he has That's, the power that... to dismiss it, too. Well, so why is he allowed it to happen if it's against he church called teaching? It. Why? He called the synod. We have to be missing something. There's we're clearly missing something because if it's against church teaching, why would he call it? Are we missing something? I don't know, Kellen Lake. I don't know. <laughs> Care clouds judgment. Like I said, I don't know. I mean, we're, I don't know the Pope's own belief. I don't know why he's calling this. And I'm, I'm going to kind of stay away from that part of it. I'm going right. to call out, I'm going to call out like the surrounding stuff. Now we, we've just recently had, um, Scalfari, this, this Italian reporter, um, he was asked and reached an interview about, um, he, he's done extensive, um, interviews with Pope Francis and, um, I'll just read what he says here. Um, according to papal friend and repeat interviewer, Eugenio Scalfari of La Repubblica, this is a major, uh, newspaper in Italy. Pope Francis told the Italian atheist, Eugenio Scalfari, that he believes that, quote, um, Jesus of Nazareth, once he became a man, though of ex- a man of exceptional virtues, was not God at all. You can, you can who, who read us the that? Italian right here, because this is the quote that Scalfari gives us. Sono la prova provata che Gesù di Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth, una volta diventato uomo, Sia pure un uomo di eccezionali, eccezionali, I think. Virtù non era affatto un Dio. Okay. (laughs) So the translation here, Jesus of Nazareth, once he became a man, though a man of exceptional exceptional virtues, was not a god at all. Who said that? This is Scalfari, who's interviewed Pope Francis multiple times, said that Francis said that quote. Okay, well... If he said that, then it's time to replace him. I, I mean, I mean, doesn't that <laughs> make sense, though? I mean, this is if the Pope says he's this not was God, published then. on October eighth in La Repubblica, and uh, it has to be twisted somehow. There's no way Pope Francis would say that, right? I'd like to believe that. If Pope Francis said that, then every person in the world would think the Catholic Church is heresy. Well, they would. Well, not the well because, the Church because, the Pope would be. Okay, well, the right. The Pope wouldn't believe, okay, well, right? Because yeah. if you don't believe Jesus is God, that's everything. Right. <laughs> that's that's the mean, Christian faith. Yeah. Now, Jeez. I'm, in in the defense, I mean, the press secretary of the Vatican at the end of one of the, at the end of one of the uh, Vatican press um, hearings or whatever, at the end he was asked about this and he said, Scalfari doesn't always take notes and... Um, obviously Francis upholds 
you know, the, the true belief of the church. And then he said, um, however, the sense of what Francis was saying to Scalfari, Scalfari is generally reliable for the sense of it, but not a direct quotation or something like that. How so, I mean, Scalfari know? didn't pull this out of thin air. I mean, why would he maybe write something he like that? If there wasn't okay, some well, background multiple, to it. Yeah, I mean, there's multiple possibilities. Okay, Scalfari. So we know Scalfari is fairly reliable. He's working for La, La Repubblica. He's uh, he's kind of an older guy. He's, he actually is really older. He's 95. <laughs> oh my gosh! And La Repubblica is a it's a major newspaper in Italy, and he's a very well established journalist. And he's interviewed, I'm sure, hundreds of people, thousands of people. And Pope Francis was willing to pick him as his interviewer. So we know all that is facts. Now, he could be completely making this up out of nothing. Meaning Pope Francis said nothing related to Jesus' divinity, and he just pulled that out of the air. Or, possibly, Pope Francis said something around that, similar in that field of divinity, right? Kind of questioning, maybe maybe saying something, but not completely denying his divinity. And then Scalfari went and ran with it. Okay. Or Pope Francis said something basically to that effect, and Scalfari published it in La Repubblica. Now, on any of those, Pope Francis should come out and clarify. Right. First thing, definitely clarify. <laughs> now, what we're going to get, which is what we've gotten repeatedly... So Cardinals after Amoris Laetitiae was published in which it leaves the door open for divorced and remarried Catholics to receive communion, uh, five Cardinals published a dubia to the Pope in which they said, you need to clarify what the church teaching is because you're the Pope. We need to know. You know, divorced and remarried Catholics shouldn't receive the Eucharist. So tell us that. Pope Francis didn't even give it a reply. Five cardinals signed it. Likewise with this, you know, uh, this this assertion by uh, Scalfari, I don't think we'll get a reply from Francis about it. But it's concerning. It is concerning. I mean, Robert Bellarmine's talked about it. The possibility of a pope being a heretic or being an apostate, like losing the faith. Has that ever happened before in, in our history of popes? I don't think so. I, I mean, I don't know, but probably not. But I mean, we've had really bad popes. We've had popes yeah. that, you know, have children and stuff, right? Yeah. Like Alexander the <laughs> Sixth. Yeah. He had like a regular harem in his in mm. the in the Vatican and stuff. Jeez. Now, Bellarmine's interpretation of any ecclesiastic that loses the faith um, loses the obedience due to his office and loses the office because he's outside of the church. So that would apply also to the Pope if he completely loses the faith, but no one would be able to judge him because he's the Pope. So it would have to be a retroactive thing. This is this is getting off into the really the deep of it. At the least, we can say this is concerning. You know, how we'd like to see this resolved? The Pope come out and reaffirm the faith. That'd be great. Will he do that? I'm not gonna hold my breath. But regardless, uh yeah, that that just came out the other day. So you can look up Scalfari, his interview with, with Pope Francis. Another thing that's come out of the Synod uh, to leading up to the Synod is the Pope hosting a tree planting ritual with these indigenous people of the Amazon that got invited. And there was a two idols of pregnant women. And one of them, uh, well, 
they're meant to be fertility goddesses. This is in the Vatican Gardens, and they were all sitting in a circle, and um, they worshipped this idol, basically, in the Vatican Gardens with the Pope being present. Okay, what idol? What, what Two are, fertility goddesses. Is that, Although those, some people statues? said... Statues. Are statues? Statues. Although some people said it was Mary and Elizabeth, but it... You look at the you look at the statue. It was it looks nothing like either of them, and they're both naked, which would never be you would never see Mary as a statue like that. Okay, in the Vatican Gardens. Okay, that that is really bad. We're just adding bad stuff here, but stuff that needs to be addressed. I had a theory that I said. I mean, I'm I'm showing the video here now. I'll just describe it. Imagine the Vatican Gardens and these indigenous people wearing headgear. They're wearing. All their kind of traditional Amazon garb. They're like raising and their hands. They're raising to the their hands. God. They're raising their hands. They're sitting in a circle. So pagan worship always happens in, always a circle in a circle, right? Because it's the gods among us is these pagan rituals. What? So in the Vatican Gardens, so I'm describing the video here. There is these indigenous people wearing face paint, raising their hands in a circle. All of them are kneeling, and there's uh, two statues of pregnant women who are naked, and they're bowing down. To the statue. What um, in the heck is going on here? I don't understand. This and is, they're praying to the idols. This is like summoning demonic stuff. That's what it looks like. It is literally that. That's this is pagan is. worship this is in, in the Vatican. The gardens in this the is Vatican? in the gardens of the Vatican with Pope Francis attending. Where's where Pope Francis? Um, is he on there? Is he in there? Yeah. No, he's around. Oh, here he is. Yeah, yeah. Over to the side. Those are the cardinals. Pope Francis in white, right oh my there. Goodness. He's uh, overwatching it with uh, the bishops and the cardinals. She's got the. Oh yeah, this is definitely. Sketchy. Yep, and she right, has, like, right now, one stuff. of the. Uh, so they just, they're they're now they're still kneeling, but there's a leader who's in the middle shaking a uh, an instrument like yeah, one of the Moroccan type uh, things. Yeah, yeah. And singing a chant, and now they're walking around their headgear. And the successor of Peter, along with the princes of the church are watching and approving of this in the Vatican Gardens. And look, yeah, here, Pope Francis is now receiving uh, the gifts from these Amazon pagans. Um, successor of Peter. I have no words for this. I really don't. I'm, I'm watching this right now, and I don't want to form judgments. Um, we're not, as Catholics, we're not supposed to judge people, and I'm not going to judge anybody. But by looking at this, I'm going to say that I am not pleased with anything that's happening in this video, especially Pope Francis being even attending. So for our, our, our listeners, if you want to find the actual video, um, I've tried to describe it as best I can, but it's, it's worth actually seeing it. It's pretty available if you type, uh, uh, search up Pope Francis, uh, Amazon, uh, Amazon, I don't know, Pagan Worship, Vatican Gardens. Vatican Gardens, you'll find probably it. Probably right on YouTube away. or on Twitter. We're watching this one on Twitter. Um, person's account, uh, at Catholic SAT, at Catholic SAT. I don't, I don't really know. That's that's where the video... This happened uh, a few days ago. This is how the synod got underway with all these pagans worshiping and stuff. Um, In... I can't tell you how concerning it is. <laughs> this, okay, that scares me. Number one, that scares me. I think my theory that I proposed like a while ago is true. He's from Argentina. He's from 
the Amazon area. He's from South America. Is there something going on here? Is he feeling sympathy for these people? Because that's sure not that's sure not a way to do it. Um, that's not approving of pagan pa- practices in the Vatican Gardens. Of the Vatican Gardens. He's approving devil worship next to St. Peter's, where the bones of Peter are. He are you telling me that he's approving devil worship in the Vatican? If we're going to be straight up, which we're allowed to, right? This is America. We can speak up on what whatever we want. The communists right? aren't going to shut us down. They're not going to shut us no, down here. This is, look, I, I can't put it in those strong of terms. I, at least I can put it as this is ridiculously concerning. Hmm. The fact of it, there's pagan worship was going on in the Vatican Gardens and Pope Francis was in attendance. That's a fact about it. Okay. Any more inferences from that? I'm just going to leave as it is. People can watch it for their own. And um, we'll let you guys form judgments on it. We're, we're not going to really go into much more detail about that because the Pope is the Pope. Obedience is due to him. And. Um, and we should really, really, really pray for him. Right. Should always pray every day for the Pope. And um, but this is really concerning. And to see the successor of Peter doing this right near the bones of Peter himself, who says to Christ, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. To have the successor of Peter uh, tolerating paganism in the Vatican Gardens, in my opinion, is very concerning. I don't have any words. I've never seen anything like that before. Now I, now I understand why people are so mad at the Catholic Church of everything that's going on. I understand that. I really do. Why would they even video something like that and put on Twitter? <laughs> Why would you do that? Oh, this is this is a very public thing. This is very public. Um, yeah, tr- and, and they planted a tree. They planted a tree. So they had two idols there yes. that they said supposedly is propaganda that it was Mary and Elizabeth, right? Which that was it, one which take it, on it. Which, which it clearly it was, wasn't. It was clearly was not. Clearly was not. That's easy. And they're doing this, a pagan worship, in the Vatican Gardens. Now, what's the history behind paganism? Because that's all that was all peasantry worship, right? In the countryside of Europe, pretty much, right? Or is it everywhere? Everywhere. So any, everywhere, right? So usually the term that's used, at least in the theological realm for it, is, is natural religion. But it's like paganism is... Um, basically the gods of a peoples that they worship in this, um, paganistic way, but it's really worshiped to demons, right? Uh, because the demons receive this, uh, this common worship and they influence the people because without baptism, people are yoked to Satan. Um, baptism frees us from the covenant to Satan and yokes us to God through Christ. And so paganism is the worship of these deities, right? They, they call them deities, right? These gods, but these gods are really demons. And so, yeah, all forms of paganism have to be utterly and completely rejected. And, um, and of course, for the church to allow that in the Vatican gardens, uh, from these Amazon pagans, right? And you could have paganism anywhere in the world. The Romans were pagans, right? They worship Roman gods, the Greeks, you know, the Greek uh, pantheon that everybody talks about, you know, you have Zeus and all these gods, they are, uh, you know, the, the paganism of the Greeks, right? And Hinduism is paganism ultimately because they have all these Indian deities, right? It all fun, falls under this category of paganism. 
and, and same with the Amazon. These Amazonians worshiping these fertility goddesses and all this stuff, they're worshiping the abstract deity of fertility, which masquerades as a fertility goddess, but really is a demon. Does that make sense? So it's demon worship masked in getting good fertility, getting good crops, right? There's the gods heck? There's gods of the harvest. There's gods of war. There's gods of every single part of human life is abstracted and worshipped as a kind of deity, but usually it's under demonic influence. Oh my gosh, that's just It goes scary. back, I mean, that's been all throughout the history of man is this paganism, right? And what is the great claim of Christianity is the God become man being incarnate in Christ and all the pagans now have to flee because Christianity definitively destroys paganism and restores right worship of God and restores this covenant with God and the power of Satan and the power of demons, which influences paganism, gives us its, its force, is definitively destroyed by Christianity. And that's what Peter died for on, on the Vatican Hill. That's what he died for in the Circus Maximus in Rome, you know, uh, across the river, uh, across the river Tiber. That's what he died for, mm. is to destroy paganism once and for all and to establish the reign mm. of Christ everywhere. And his bones are underneath the high altar of St. Peter's. He is there. And in the gardens right near there, just the other day, were these pagans from the Amazon with a successor of Peter in attendance, worshiping two idols. I have no, I don't have any words. I'm, I'm, I'm just shocked. I don't, I don't understand what's going on. I feel like the Catholic church has, has such, has had such a bad rap now for the past like couple of years just on everything that's going on with the pre-sex scandals to this, I can understand why people are really struggling with it. Um, but I'm more, I'm more surprised than anything in, in why this is happening. I, I mean, why would you, why would you allow that to happen in one of the holiest places of the world, the Vatican? <clears throat> why would you allow something like that to happen there where's where is this motive coming from is it is it pope francis who is it does he feel sympathy for these people because sympathy is weakness okay when it comes to this and i believe that yes it's a false sympathy if it is sympathy yeah and that's not being sympathetic i mean how is that being sympathetic at all, all? It's, it's weak not. no yeah it's, it's weak it's denying christ i mean when you when <laughs> you accept weakness a, when you uh, when you're accepting a paganism, you're obviously rejecting of Christ. He who denies me before men, I will deny before my heavenly Father. That's the promise we got from Christ. In a more positive note, somebody's um, on on YouTube. I, I highly recommend people looking up this uh, holy priest, Father Mark Goring, G O R I N G. He just released a video called Amazon Synod and Pagan Rituals, because he like. I mean, imagine for a priest seeing this, that they're, they're holy father. Oh, I know. Right? I, I, I'm, I can't even so think he, of it. So he released a video where he says, um, you know, I don't have to accept this new acceptance of paganism and uh, everything else. And, you know, he's, uh, he's calling it like it is in a very reasonable position. There's been other bishops who've supported his position on it. And um, we, we, we really need to pray and pray really, really hard for it. And especially pray the rosary because Mary is 
she, you know, Christ is in control of the church, right? We shouldn't let any of this destroy our faith in the church itself or discourage us or, you know, for some, push us out of the Catholic church. No, not at all. That's what the devil wants. The devil wants schism. He wants... He wants everyone to Lackluster hate the faith. F- they want he, the devil wants everyone to hate the Pope, not to obey him. Um, obviously, when he's doing things like this, we need to criticize him and um, in in holy love and in fidelity. But oh, the church is the church. Christ is in control. The Pope is the Pope. He is a successor of Peter. I firmly believe that, even though he's doing this nonsense, and it is nonsense. Um, but why so, though? I, I can't. I can't understand so this. Now we're getting into the speculation of it because it's. What's wrong? I don't there, know. I don't think there's anything wrong there's with not, speculation. It's not something wrong with it, but. But it it can be it can, it can be it can sketchy. Go too far. Yeah, it can go it too can, far. Right, and I. There's other facts that. that we do. I mean, he's from Argentina. He's from South America. We know liberation theology is huge there. The, the only we pope, also know that a lot yeah. of German bishops are pushing for these married priests and for women diaconates or women deacons rather. And so, and they're working closely with NGOs, non-governmental organizations, and the Amazon, and they're getting huge funding from them. And these NGOs, who have a lot of influence in the region, um, <laughs> they're, you know, they're from Germany, and they're pushing. They want to see Germany having married priests and having women deacons because that's their they they want it. That that's what they want the church to look like. In Germany. So we, we have a lot of German bishops. Cardinal Marx is kind of the forefront of that. You can look up Cardinal Marx. And we also know the liberation theologians. So we discussed the document out of Bogota, Colombia, that was published by a group of liberation theologians. And remember, liberation theo- the- theology is Marxism with the outer appearances of Christianity. So he's liberation, which is, is widespread across South America. South America. I've heard of that term before, but I didn't know what it meant. Yeah. yeah, liberation theology is basically Marxism, but like with some Christianity outward appearances, right? Like Mary's the mother of the revolution, and Christ is the the fighter for workers, and like all this type of that kind of weird social stuff. change, okay, right? Yeah, it's Christianity for effects, right? We we want Marxist policies to be implemented. A lot of bishops have gone along with that historically, and uh, this liberation theology, which has been expressly condemned by the church, by the way. So a group of liberation theologians in Colombia, we discussed their document, which is called Towards the Pan-Amazonian Synod. That's the title of the document. It's only available in Spanish. We translated it on a podcast. This is a few podcasts ago. Right, yeah. On the show. And uh, they specifically said, women need to be made deacons. You know, clergy should be allowed to be married and all this type of stuff. So the liberation theologians are pushing for it. The German uh, parts of the German bishops are pushing for doing this. The Germans are actually pushing for a, a synod of their own in Germany to follow up the Pan-Amazonian Synod in which they want to implement some of the effects of the Pan-Amazonian Synod because they're using this as a, pre, a pretense to implement their own stuff in Germany. So if you're asking, like, where does this come from? Francis isn't alone or... Uh, I, Regardless, Francis didn't just make this stuff out of nowhere, meaning the Amazon Senate has other supporters and the the stuff, the women diaconate, the married priesthood has support from these areas, from Germany, from the South American liberation theologians. Especially from Germany, the right? Germany's going through some weird stuff. Like we watched a video the other day where at communion, there was this 
what woman dancing in the middle of this in the middle of mass in the room? <laughs> oh, do you man. remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. Um, we I don't know the, if I could forget it. Veritas uh, Social. By the way, Veritas Society, keep in touch. Uh, just had their previous seminar. Went very well. Um, and we have a debate coming up soon, I believe, in a couple couple weeks on Sunday. But uh, back to... Yeah, Dance yeah. of Faith. You guys can look it up. It's called The Dance of Faith at Paderborn Cathedral. Um, where in, where in <laughs> Germany is that? A liturgical dance. I, I don't know. I think it's in the north somewhere. Hmm. Um there was this woman. The fact dancing. that it's the fact, <laughs> the fact <laughs> I mean, that it was at a mass. I mean, the sacrifice of Calvary, and there's this German woman doing like a. Oh my goodness, we're watching it now. So, this let's is narrate it, this insanity. I don't even know how I could narrate it. I don't it's know. just like anyway. So so look up look up Paderborn Cathedral, Germany, woman dancing. This is I I guess this is at the offertory time, or this is after communion. Regardless, it's during a mass. Yeah, there's a woman in a black dress, and there's some like you know pop music song in the background, and she's doing this like, look, I know dance a little bit. This sucks. Like this is a, <laughs> this, is a, this is a really bad dance. And guess who it is? The successors of the apostles are back there. You know the bishops. They got even their guys are holding the hats over there. You know they're holding the. Uh, the, Look at that, the stole uh, and all that stuff. I mean, it's just, it's so weird. It's so weird. I, I don't know what to say. And there's the bishop and they're celebrating mass and there's this woman dancing in the middle. Anyways, this is Germany for you. So, um, they're going downhill. I feel Oh like. yeah. They're going nuts. They're, they're going yeah, nuts yeah. right now. I mean, well, I mean, they're, they're losing numbers like crazy. No one yeah. goes to mass. I mean, it's just all old well, people or about, something. I know, mean, it's the same. Europe's gotten well, the think whole thing. Yeah. Italy. Italy's, no, Italy. no one goes to mass, yeah. Well, yeah, really nobody. I mean, there's still Some those people traditional do. people that do, but it's dropped like 80% or something. I heard that only like 9 per 8, might be more, I don't know, it might be less. I heard somewhere around like 10% or less practice their faith, which is sad. I mean, Italy of all places? like Heart of the church? That's like... Rome? Consider if Poland wasn't in Europe. That's like Poland going to heck. In Europe, that's I mean, really everywhere. What it is. Everywhere is. I mean, imagine <laughs> like Italy is just the everywhere you walk. There was another saint who used to live there, like Rome. Imagine how many saints have been in Rome. My Peter goodness. and Paul are buried there. The Peter and Paul, <laughs> right? Like that's the holiest one of the holiest places in the entire world, perhaps with the exception of Jerusalem. Like Rome and Jerusalem are the two holiest cities. And Rome is the chosen holy city of the church, right? Just look at the prophecies of Daniel 7, which we should look at at some time, that the saints of the Most High are given the kingdom of the fourth beast, and their city is the eternal city of Rome. That is the seat of the chair of Peter. That is the seat from whence all the graces of the church shall flow to the entire world through the Holy Roman Pontiff, who Christ is duly appointed as chief and head of the apostles. And so from Rome will go the conversion of the nations. And what do we see? Pagan worship in the Vatican Gardens. (laughs) (laughs) That was so perfectly placed. (laughs) That was legendary. Laugh so we don't cry. You know, it's like... I know, it's serious um, Yeah, it is serious. It is serious. I mean, this is the chosen city of the saints of the Most High. La città eterna. Eternal city. I mean, everywhere you go, you see the keys. Right, the keys are plastered on everywhere. It's like the it's like the San Damiano cross here, right? You know, you see that Goodness. cross everywhere at Franciscan. Jeez. It's great. It's wonderful. Same same thing all across Rome. Every single place you go is the keys. 
because the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. What happens when we allow pagans to be in the Vatican garden? We're allowing hell to literally be in our garden. Is that like... <laughs> That's like how much symbolism is is in there? Like, I mean, like I Garden of Eden stuff. Like, you're letting Satan prowl around in your garden. Yeah. No, that's 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 some bad stuff. Right? What it, Adam had the sin. The church fathers have that Eve committed three sins at the uh, when she took of the fruit, and Adam committed eight <laughs> that they identify. I don't know all the ones that they identify, but one of them was not guarding Eve from the serpent, because you have to uh, because. When the serpent was allowed to tempt Eve, right, Adam had to keep away Satan from, that was part of to till and to keep the garden. And so that's the role of the pastors of the church, and specifically the Roman pontiff, our Holy Father, um, is to keep the church away from Satan. Is to And we're on the offensive. The gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Like, the Pope's on the offensive. We have the offensive. We're going to win. Right. Christ is the king. Well, we've already won the war. We just got to fight the battles. Yeah. Every individual soul. Uh, you know, we need to preach the gospel too. And um, it's it's concerning. I mean, we're living in a very, very difficult time where, you know, I mean, imagine like the times of Gregory the Great. He sent Augustine of Canterbury, well, to Canterbury. That's how that's why he became Augustine of Canterbury. He sent him yeah. to England and converted the English people. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Come on. We, we converted <laughs> the country of England. Let's do it now. Pope St. <laughs> Gregory the Great, you know, said, I'm going to start converting the English people. And he did. He did. That's the power of the Pope. Like, the church is ready. And what are we doing? We're holding a synod to try and make married priests, women deacons, allowing paganism, talking about ecological conversion. (laughs) We're just in weird times. And and, and this this shouldn't be cause for for us to lose faith in the church or discouragement or anything else. It It should should be be complete opposite. It should be complete opposite. We should be praying the rosary with ever-growing fervor. We should be praying for the Pope. We should be coming to Mass with the most serious intentions, receiving the Eucharist in a state of grace. Um, all of this stuff, I mean, the times of greatest distress and greatest persecution and greatest evil is the time of the greatest saints. And it's the time when when uh, true virtue and true holiness is put to the test, right? And uh, it's, it's a time of tribulation, that's for sure. This Man, is not some just, easygoing, you know. It's not a game. No. It's not a game at no. all. I mean, think about, and now I don't know how, if it, I don't know if the right word is the synod passes or I don't know how that works, but if they do get what they want, now if they do get what they, what they want, it'll only be for that region, it'll be worldwide. That's the danger. So they're going to start with that region. And then you think they're just going to use keep it going. A, and we have, going we have precedence for this, right? Because Communion on the hand. Um, so I just did a podcast on that. Go check out my channel, Alex Denley, on on YouTube. There you go. Check it the out. The origins of communion on the hand. I mean, they started with a few regions. So Fran- uh, originally, Belgium asked for the first indult to allow communion on the hands. Tested it out. A year later, France and Germany both said, "Hey, we want communion on the hand too," and the Holy See granted it. Over the course of the next ten years, this is in 1969, up until 1977, when the United States was allowed communion on the hand. There was 15 different countries that all petitioned the Holy See between 1969 and 1977 to allow communion on the hand. So it started in one small region, and then all these other bishops said, hey, we'll do that too. And then it got universally accepted as communion on the hand. So likewise, they could use the synod as, we're going to allow for married priests in the in the Amazon. And then the German bishops hold their synod, and they say, look, they did it in the Amazon. 
look how well it's working. Like, how would you judge how well it's working, by the way? Like, no one yeah. knows. How, how do you, how do you judge how that? How do you judge that? Yeah. Exactly. There's so, no way. Because, there's, yeah, what are you going to empirically, like, wow, they really like being married, you know? <laughs> it's like, there's no, there's no measurement of that. Are you going to give them a happiness scale, give them a survey? Wow, being married as a priest <laughs> is better than not being married. I got to oh, say, 10 out of 10 would, would rate that. There's right? no way you can quantify So Germany, it. so then Germany, this is the plan, right? Then Germany says, oh, we're holding the, we're holding the pan-Germanic synod, you know? And they're not going to call it that. That'd be really funny if they did, but <laughs> well, they're going to hold the German synod, and then they'll say, holy father, you know, you allowed the Amazon. We're in a real crisis, right? Germany is in a real crisis. And they're going to say, the solution is, let's allow married priests. This is the danger. So you use it as a, oh, we're just going to do it for the Amazon. And then everybody else asks for it. And then it becomes universal, right? Which is why multiple cardinals. These are the princes of the church. The cardinals are the princes the of the church. The potential next popes. Yeah, exactly. They're the ones like, you know, Cardinal Seurat, Cardinal Brandmuller, Cardinal Burke, Archbishop Athanasius Schneider. All these great and holy men, you know, Father Mark and a lot of the church is saying, what are we doing? They're, they are very much vocal about this. Like, I'm not pulling this, you know, from, from you know, just the middle of nowhere. Like, these are prelates, high prelates of the church who are very, they know more about it than I do. I know very little. They're, they're very concerned about this. And uh, this is a real possibility. I mean, if they pass, if they say, oh, we're going to allow for married priests in the Amazon, expect in the next expect year something... to five years, Germany to do the same well, or other places to do the same. It doesn't make sense that they would just allow it in the Amazon. It would it would be... A, it would start it would, being allowed it would everywhere. It would spread everywhere. That's right. It would spread like a virus. What would that do to the priesthood? It would completely dehumanize, or not dehumanize, is that the right word? It would completely... Desacralize it? De- desacralize, yeah. It would completely say, oh, you're not... What's different? What's different? The, the only difference is he says mass and yeah. I don't. We're both married. I mean, it's it's so weird. It's, it's just so it, weird to even think about it's it. It's weird and it's complex. Um, but I think it's going to spread like a virus. It's going to spread like Ebola. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. That's how... It's going to be wide worldwide yeah. and it's going to be bad. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense that they would just say allow it in this region. It's right. it's inevitable that it's going to spread more. They're going to say, "Oh, the Amazon can do it. Why can't we do it?" And then you have this whole notion of, "Oh, great! Now everybody's going. This should be allowed." It, it's so crazy that they that they would even allow something like this. It's against church teaching. Number one. Secondly, I don't think they understand the the overall consequences that this has. Even letting this happen is bad. Even discussing it shows weakness. It. Even yes. discussing it, it shows weakness. People are like, what the heck is the Catholic Church doing? There's potential people that want to be Catholic out there that just need a glimmer of hope, something, just a touch in their lives, and they could become Catholic. And then they see this happening at the Vatican. I wouldn't become Catholic if I saw that. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Rightfully so, you shouldn't do it. Right. You know, because that's that's not that's not what we stand for. That's right. The whole pagan thing scares me. That 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 really crosses a barrier. There's another church right in the Vatican area that had uh, those idols got brought in there. Actually, into is it the church. Catholic Church? Yeah, it's Catholic Church. Yeah, you should look up the other church. I could look it up for you, but we, yeah, they uh, brought those idols in, and they had a uh, pagan um, lady holding the gospel and doing a dance. 
I can find that video for you. It just gets worse. I mean, it's just going to get worse. There's just, no solution to this besides. Oh yeah, there's a, there's a solution. Yeah, well, Pope Francis says everybody go home. And yeah, by yeah, the way, we reject solution. all paganism. And then he rece- he recites the Nicene Creed, right? And well, there's uh, the solution. That would be that's the solution. It's pretty easy. I mean, but it's not going to happen that way. I mean, let's be real. We can pray for it. We can pray Mary, for it. Mary, look, Mary can do some amazing things, right? And yeah. and and that's why she told us to pray the Rosary. And to make reparation for for sinners, and for the salvation of the world. I mean, that's because it's a word. <laughs> I mean, you is. should be. And the rosary is just is. that powerful. It really is that powerful. Yeah. Fatima has taught us that, right? Yep. That's that's the message of Fatima's, is doing, uh, praying and doing reparation for souls and for sinners, um, because that's and Mary. Look, Christ is in control, and. He knows what's going on. Just read read the opening chapters of Revelation in which uh, Christ sends these letters to all these seven churches in Asia Minor. And you, you get to see the concern that Christ has for each, the church in every place, right? Because that's his mystical body. It is his body. You know, I'm sure he's looking at this paganism going on and is very much not happy about that. And, um, well, and he, knows, he knows the Pope. And he knows, uh, he knows what's going on. He knows, he knows all of it. And he hears the prayers of the church, all of them. And so, and especially through Mary, his mother. I mean, as we can see from the wedding feast of Cana in John 2, she listens, or sorry, rather, he listens to her. And uh, when you pray the rosary, you are, you are, th- heaven is thundering with your prayers. And uh, yeah, and Christ will answer. So we're, the church is going to live through this, right? We're going to survive. Well, and we've seen it there before, might be more right? time there might be more tribulation there might be more suffering there might be more errors being spread there might be more heresies that people are espousing but um yeah Christ is in control in control and um and that should be our hope and then. the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church we have that promise never pre- now if never you lose prevail. faith in Christ you're gonna lose faith in the church and and but but Christ has given us that guarantee and so um we can uh can hope on that and pray your rosary pray the go rosary. to mass be faithful for sure, and and we're gonna end on that note. Uh, yeah, definitely for sure, guys. Keep praying; it's very important um, for the salvation of the church, for all the people in the world, for especially for this new developments coming in with the synod. We really need to be on our be on our tail, and uh, and and really pray for um, what's going on. So we'll end with a Hail Mary, name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, God, pray pray for for us sinners, sinners, now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in on WFRSCC 88.3 FM. I'm Kellen Lake, along with Alex Denley, and we will see you next time, next Thursday.